This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Paris isn't the only place where a cathedral of Notre Dame is in ruins and awaiting rebuilding. There's another Notre Dame in Haiti, destroyed in the earthquake of 2010. Amy Willens has been thinking about that. She's been reporting on Haiti for 30 years, most recently in her award-winning book, Farewell, Fred Voodoo. She was also a Jerusalem correspondent for The New Yorker, and she's a longtime contributing editor at The Nation. Amy, welcome back. Thank you, Joe. Remind us, first of all, why we care about Haiti, we on the left, including those of us who've never been there. We on the left care about Haiti, and we, all of us, should care about Haiti because it was the first black republic ever established on the globe. It had the only successful slave revolution, which turned into a political entity in the end, the Republic of Haiti. And and after that, after 1804, when Haiti declared its independence, France required that Haiti pay an indemnity, reparations. For what? Well, it's a, it's a really interesting thing. Usually the victor in a war, which was Haiti, demands reparations or indemnities or tribute from the loser nation. But in this case, France, the loser nation, demanded money from Haiti for many things, for its loss of property during the revolution, uh, the property being Haitian slaves, i.e. the people who won the revolution, but also uh, plantations, uh, produce, etc. And the Haitians were willing to pay because They had just come through a very long war of attrition, and I think they didn't feel at the time that they were capable of waging another one. France was then threatening to re-enslave the Haitians to also make Haiti a pariah nation in terms of trade and the world economy. France required that Haiti pay how much? Well, over more than a century, Haiti paid what would be in today's dollars about $21 billion. And when did they finish their reparations? I think it was 1948. So France is rich, Haiti is poor. Is there a relationship between these two facts? I'm just laughing to myself because, of course, those reparations at the time when it was basically a baby nation, Haiti, it was just begun. And then these things were slapped on them, which they really had to pay. They were losing money while France was making money from them and Of course, a lot of French wealth was originally based on this incredibly productive work camp that was Haiti, this slave economy where they worked their slaves to death for the most part and just took the incredible profits from the sugar economy there. So let's talk about the ruined Cathedral of Notre Dame in Haiti. What did it look like? What does it look like now? It looked like it was made out of confectioner sugar. And <laughs> the way it looks now, you think it might have been. It was made out of reinforced concrete, but you would never have thought something so soundingly brutalist would have been turned into this lacy, beautiful, soaring, very European with a slightly Caribbean touch to it. Cathedral that was the highest building in Port-au-Prince forever and ever, really, until the day it fell, I think. It was it was the second highest building by then. 
And what does it look like now? It's a skeletal remains with, uh, you can see still the rosette windows. It was designed by a French architect, um, and they started building in 1883. So it has some of that era in its construction and many, many rosette windows. But it's, it's basically fell to the ground. There are a couple of walls remaining. We're talking now about the possibility of rebuilding this ruined Notre Dame. Do Haitians really want a cathedral? Isn't this building more about the power of Frenchness and the power of the Catholic Church? What what does it mean to them? It's funny because, of course, as a symbol, it was built by the Catholic Church with Catholic Church and uh, congregational monies when Haitians had some money to give for that kind of a cause. So it was a very kind of French church, but it was inhabited by the Haitian people of Port-au-Prince, and it was an important place. They always say about Haitians that they're 100% voodoo and 99% Catholic, and that's really true. There's a lot of still uh, belief in the voodoo pantheon, but still people go to Catholic church for baptism and First Communion and for Mass often. It's a fairly religious community still. Um, And I think for the Catholic Church now in Haiti, it's besieged by Protestant missionaries, most of them from the United States, and by the, the Mormons also have made great inroads, and they build churches like crazy. There are churches dotting the Haitian countryside, little tiny things built by these missionaries. And I think the Catholic Church feels that one of the things it can do is have one of these giant monuments to itself. And it it was behind, in part, the idea of rebuilding this Notre Dame. And this Notre Dame in Port-au-Prince is not just a place where the Catholic Church celebrates its own power. It's played a different kind of political role at times. It was a community gathering place. So... It was a place for Catholic ritual, but also it played a role in the 1980s when liberation theology was so important. It played a role as a sort of a place where people who believed in the small church, the little church, as it was called in Haiti, which was the Church of Liberation Theology, would go to protest the the role of the Catholic church in supporting the government and the elite. In the mid-1980s, when the Duvalier regime had just fallen and everything was very confused and Father Jean-Bertrand Aristide was rising up uh, as a political figure, the Catholic Church decided it had had enough of him, and they decided to move him from his inner-city parish to a more outlying place. And the young people who supported him said, ah, no, we're not having this, and they occupied the cathedral. They marched in, and they sat down right in front of the altar, and they said, we're having a hunger strike. A hunger strike? Unheard of in Haiti, because hunger in Haiti is the biggest enemy. Anytime you can eat, you eat. You don't say, no, I'm foregoing food for a cause. It just doesn't happen. So it was a very major, incredible thing, and then the church began to fill up and fill up and fill up. I was there, and eventually the hierarchy caved into these young people and the really large crowds who had gathered in the cathedral. And at the end, Aristide appeared, this teeny little person with big glasses on and his white robes, and he escorted the young people out and he got to stay in his parish for a while. 
all was not bliss after, but it was still a very big moment. And what would it mean today in Haiti to rebuild this place? You know, I don't know. There could be all sorts of ways to deal with the area that would be maybe more Haitian to my mind than a big Catholic cathedral. There's already a little transitory cathedral, they call it, which is um, a small building built near the ruins of the old cathedral. So that's a place for the Catholics to go if they want. But, you know, Haitians are really, they love the the pomp and circumstance of the cathedral. They're used to it. It was their place. They remember it. It's in the national memory. And I think it would serve just as rebuilding a national palace, even though Duvalier's, you know, reigned from there. It means something to have your national symbols, especially for this country that's such a special nation. So I think there could be something done. And in fact, there have been some attempts to do something to rebuild this this uh, monument. Before we talk about the proposals, I want to ask, doesn't Haiti have bigger problems than rebuilding this French Gothic cathedral? Yes, as I've uh, been discussing recently, it has a lot more problems that need um, money flowing toward them than the building of a cathedral, for instance. Basic nutrition, health care, energy infrastructure, infrastructure itself, sanitation, uh, security, personal security in the street, law and order in, administered in a decent way or just administered. I mean, there's nothing happening now. And so when I'm talking about security, the situation in the Haitian street right now is very dangerous. There's a lot with the vacuum in power, although there is a president not much is done by the president. And so there's this big vacuum of power, and there the narco gangs and and just little gangs uh, have walked into this space, and there's a lot of killing going on in the streets when there are protests against the Haitian government because there's no gas in Haiti anymore. They fire sometimes on the, the people who are protesting. There have been, I think, the that Human Rights Watch is asking for the Haitian government to explain the 30 deaths in the crowd, uh, in the crowds of protesters in recent months. In addition, when there's no gas, you can't get to a hospital, you can't get to a job if you're lucky enough to have a job, you can't get to the market to buy food. So everything has come to kind of a grinding halt there. So yeah, sure, of course, Haiti has bigger problems than rebuilding the cathedral. So tell us about the proposals for a new Notre Dame in Haiti. In 2012, this Miami, uh, impressive Miami kind of entrepreneur, uh, combined with the person who was the bishop of Port- the Archbishop of Port-au-Prince at the time, and the two of them got together and they organized a competition for uh, a design for a new cathedral. And that competition was won by a Puerto Rican group run by a man, an architect named Segundo Cardona. And he and his team made a beautiful design uh, that incorporates the old parts of the church that are still standing and the idea of the old church while being a kind of a more broad meeting place, too. And then uh, Senor Cardona came to Haiti two years later to show the beautiful model they had built for the cathedral, and he arrives. And first of all, the Haitian customs won't let the church in, the little church, the model. And then when he finally manages to, like, pull it from the hands of customs and get 
into town. He goes to this transitory cathedral and he's like, oh my gosh, they've kind of built something already. I'll never, I'll never get this built. And he was so disheartened. And I do think that often in Haiti, something that's built as transitory ends up being final because it was cheaper, easier, and there it is. And then who's going to have the energy and the fundraising ability to build the new one? And meanwhile, the uh, archbishop who wanted the new cathedral and the Miami entrepreneur who was pushing for it have both died. What's the status today of this new cathedral? Have they raised some of the money? Have they started to break ground? Not a single penny (laughs) has been raised since the uh, monies were dispersed for the design. And uh, no ground has been broken, although you wouldn't know no ground has been broken since the ground around the cathedral is still so broken from the earthquake. Well, let's go back to the indemnity France required that Haiti pay in exchange for getting recognition of its independence. You have a modest proposal about paying for the rebuilding of the ruined cathedral of Notre Dame in Haiti. From the um, 19th to the 20th century, France demanded that Haiti pay this huge indemnity or reparation to France of $21 billion. And my modest proposal is to take some of that back in some form for Haiti to rebuild the cathedral, among other things. But one of the interesting things is that these big billionaires in France have offered so much money to rebuild Notre Dame de Paris and, uh, They've offered an awful lot of money, maybe some of that, which, you know, all French money sort of goes back to the days of the colony, could go to Haiti instead of just to the spire for Notre Dame. France should help pay for the rebuilding of the Notre Dame Cathedral in Haiti. As partial reparations for the indemnity, they forced Haiti to pay for its independence. Amy Willens wrote about Rebuilding the Haitian Notre Dame for the Atlantic.com. It's a terrific piece. Thank you, Amy. Thanks. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Thank you.